0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty LuPone.
1: This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, How Sondheim and Lapine Went Into the Woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Michael David, the original producer. Once upon a time. Michael David was the executive producer of the original Broadway production of Into the Woods. He is a founding partner in Dodger Theatricals and has produced the Broadway premieres of Jersey Boys, Matilda, Urinetown, The Secret Garden, and The Farnsworth Invention, as well as revivals of Camelot, Jesus Christ Superstar, 42nd Street, The Music Man, and Into the Woods, to name a few. Prior to his work with Dodger Theatricals, he was the executive director of the Chelsea Theatre Center of Brooklyn. (laughs) Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm really grateful. Sure.
0: And no, you know, I'm older, so my recollections are vague and foggy. So let's uh let's see what I can get let's see what I can do. But you know, that's that's really why I'm doing it because it's um
1: it's <laughs> such an iconic musical. And it's I mean it's a landmark show, you know. I mean, I I'm forty six years old and I grew up with this, you know, from the time I was in junior high. Sure. And I see that for the younger people. To them, this is the Sondheim musical. I mean, this comes before Sweeney Todd. It comes before A Little Night Music, Follies, Company. You know, this is the show that's their gateway to not only to Sondheim, in many cases, to musical theater or theater at all. And um, because it's pre-internet, there's uh, you know there's such scant information available about the development. And I'm so interested in it. And James Lapine wrote that wonderful book putting it together about the development of Sunday. And I asked him, was he going to write one for Into the Woods? And he said, no, <laughs> it was too much work. So that was what made me think we've got to get everybody on record, you know, while they still can remember anything, because um, it's so many years ago. And yeah. uh, but you are you are a missing piece of the puzzle. So anything that you do remember, I will be so, so grateful for. Well,
0: I have to say, I agree with you. I I I remember when Freddie Gershon um, at, uh, you know, th- got the rights and decided to do an Into the Woods Jr., which was his first Jr. of a Sondheim. But I do think that, that the act of making that available, even if it was first act, hey, just 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 salted the earth with this show for, for folks like you, who, uh, you know, um, wondered what was out there. What was out there was, this, was Into the Woods. So um, yeah, anyway, it's, it's amazing to me what, what, it, what it's become.
1: Now, so going back to the beginning, I had originally wondered if your involvement began because of the history with Sondheim and Candide um, at Chelsea and everything, but um, I guess that's not quite the case. When did you first become aware there even was an Into the Woods?
0: When I when Heidi Landisman or Rocco Landisman—I can't remember which one—and and we were partners with Brock and still are all the way through this um, said she'd seen this thing at playwrights and, uh, and could I go? And I never was able to make it. And, but, but in the meantime, um, uh, they wondered if we wanted to basically get on board with their initiative. And we had done some of these early collaborations with, with nonprofits like big river at both Harvard and then out at La Jolla. And so um, we said, great, but it was literally before San Diego, but not before playwrights, that in fact we joined Rocco and Heidi and their Merry Band. So you did not even see the workshop in
1: 1986 at Playwrights Horizons? No. No. But but Rocco and Heidi liked it, and you liked the script and the names, and that was
0: Sure. And we were we had been doing things at Chelsea together for a long time, especially with Rock. And so um, uh, not to mention, we were, you know, this this struggling group of of uh, folks uh, who uh, were trying to make the transfer out of the nonprofit, which I must say was where we all learned what we were doing in mm-hmm. those great days of the nonprofits, um, into the commercial theater, and had moved to Joe Papp, and were were there, but were basically looking for a way to claw our way into basically figuring out the commercial world, which had always been seen as the enemy. And so uh, the idea of doing something by Steve was, you know, you bet we were, we were on. Now was, am I understanding correctly that Big River was the first time
1: that there had been this collaboration between commercial producers and a nonprofit to
0: bring a show to to fruition? First. No, th- th- there were, it was the, it was the most sort of, formal rendition of such a collaboration. But um, when we did at Chelsea Happy End with Meryl Streep and whatever, we, uh, God, it it started, I think, in Buffalo. Um, and the guy who had the rights, whose name I'm gonna forget, Michael someone, and and he it's a worthy last name because he basically brought it to us at Chelsea, but I can't remember it. Um, anyway, he had done sort of a tryout there, and not with Merrill, but basically of the of the Happy End. And so um, and frankly, Buffalo. If it was Buffalo, it was, it was a it wasn't Binghamton. It was a I think it was it was anyway it was a it was a New York nonprofit got in trouble with the New York State Council because ostensibly their perception was they were using public money for a commercial launch. Mm. And it didn't go anywhere. But basically for us, that was, that was the first experience I had with combining such a thing. And of course, we at Chelsea did four or five of these things, which we did and then moved, Candy being the, the largest but, but wow. dental and uh, and a couple of David Story plays and whatever, um, all sort of moved from our 111-seat theater to Off-Broadway or Broadway. And, and Pump Boys and Dinettes was in that line also. Is that right? It was. But I mean, we did that. That was when we were with Joe, and it was our first year. The Dodgers and Mabu Mines were both taken on board with his, his companies there. And uh, we did our little season. and then. And there were six of us. And then three of us, Des and Sherman Warner, and remember did Henry four in the park with Joe. And in the summer on unemployment, they went with a horse, by the way, with that was the Henry four with a horse. (laughs) Uh, We basically saw this thing at the cattleman restaurant um, with, um, um, uh, the the folks doing Pump Boys and basically moved it across the street from the public where our little office was um, uh, for the summer uh, to sort of keep us busy. And everybody, the cast got $175 a week, and we got $175 a week, and and that was it. And I must say that was our Pump Boys was sort of the welcome mat for us to step out of the nonprofit and mm-hmm. into the commercial of $175 a week was commercial. That was, that was it for us. And so, yeah. so uh,
1: but then Big River was on a much larger scale. Um, were you able to just use that as a
0: template for Into the Woods? I, I think in making the deal with San Diego, it was pretty much, pretty much we've done, I think, 28 of those co- collaborative things going in, you know, into the future. And the, and the template's been pretty much the same at all, at all times, you know, they put up the money, you enhance what they don't have, um, you get none of the box office, but you get the wisdom, if you will, that you earn, which is the most valuable thing about Sweat it. equity. You got it. And, um, and also, you know, your arm's length, because ostensibly you stay out of the way, the artistic director of that theater remains the artistic director of that project. We, in this case, agreed on who the creative team was, and casting happened here. And um, they came out from San Diego for the casting, but ostensibly it then was turned over to them. And even though we poked around and were out there when things were going on, the, the buck stopped with, with San Diego and we left with what we could learn and any physical production that they didn't know before. Um, that's, what, that's what our takeaway was from um, the production and basically from all the productions in the future.
1: Was there something specifically about the town of San Diego? Because, I mean, I know Big River was at La Jolla and then Into the Woods was at the Old Globe. So it's only coincidental, seemingly, that they're in the same area.
0: Yeah, no, look, I just think that, that for us, you know, familiarity had not breeded contempt yet. And, that's <laughs> I, and I must say, doing great things in, on the coast of California um, uh, what was, was was a pretty nice life, and so, um, and I must say there were theatergoers that had ostensibly been trained both first mm. by the old Globe and then by the late later arrival of La Jolla. So we knew there was an audience there um, to go th- see things and to see something like this.
1: And contrasting with Sunday in the Park with George, which had been done in a workshop also at Playwrights Horizons and then a full production at Playwrights Horizons and then Broadway, was there any thought to Playwrights Horizons being the nonprofit theater where the show would premiere?
0: You know, I don't remember it ever coming up. I, I mean, I think the thing before the internet, as you point out, the great thing for us was, I think acknowledging that there's every chance your first idea about the thing you're doing will turn out to be stupid. And secondly, you don't want that to be seen and reviewed being stupid, that privacy and distance was important. And so I think the idea of taking this 3,000 miles away from New York and the critics and whatever was 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 critical to, and has been all along in, in doing these things, um, uh, been to where we went. Um, we did not want to. And, 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 you know, the problem would be if you went to paper mill, for instance, the times critic went across the, you know, the Hudson to the to, to paper mill in, in, in these days, even though it was time, um, there was some, there was some respect for the fact that it was a developmental production. It wasn't done and give us a chance. Um, yeah. So yeah. And w- was there um,
1: always the plan to do another workshop back in New York after San Diego, or was that something that came up for reasons?
0: Well, the, the, it, it, the workshop that happened after San Diego was really the beginning of a long rehearsal period mm. because, because the, the workshop used the cast that eventually, but for Betty trading off for Bernadette, that was going to go to Broadway, and because Rocco had just sort of taken on the presidency of of J- Jamsin, he was able to say, you, "You've, you in this case, you, you've got the theater," while we waited to see how we were, what, 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 whether there was something worthy turning out in San Diego to move into it. But but when we when we left San Diego, and I'm sure people have told you that everybody left in San Diego at intermission because they thought it was over. Yeah, it ushers at the top of every aisle during the performances to say it's two acts. You know, stay, you know, stay here. Um, James and Steve hadn't determined what the ending was, and really wanted a chance to do it. And so we proposed, a pretty nifty thing actually. I think that we would rehearse for eight weeks, but that we would take a month off in the middle, so that we would put the cast together, knowing where we were eventually, hopefully, going to go. Knock on wood. We would put it up for. I think it was three and a half to four weeks with the original Broadway cast that hadn't been there yet. They would try, and as I recollect, to create two endings, which they would see we'd run at the end of that first four weeks. And then taking that, they would rewrite over the next four weeks of downtime. And then we would regather at the studio and rehearse that, the show with the new ending for the next five weeks going into the bed. And the way we were able to remunerate the actors who basically were laying low for four weeks was to do those first weeks on a workshop contract, which ah. gave them a piece of the profit mm. inherent in the contract. Um, and, uh, but basically, it was, it was a long rehearsal period. So So the
1: Into the Woods original cast has a contract like the Hamilton cast or the Chorus Line cast where they get a a piece of the
0: owning the show? Well, I'm the workshop contract with Equity. If you, you, at that time, even that time, did a workshop, you received a share, you received, the cast received a pro rata share of 1% of the profits. Wow. So what we did was take on a contract that already existed with Actors' Equity. That ostensibly did reward their members for not getting paid the full freight mm. in doing this, and for us for actually laying low for four weeks without compensation. Um, we agreed to do it on a workshop contract.
1: Fascinating. So it was really considered part of the Broadway process, not a separate um,
0: incarnation. Correct. 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 And. So we had- to come back when we started at the beginning we planned it to take a break steve and james would have four weeks with the clock ticking to get something ready for us to to do do next which was important and then we went back to the same place we had rehearsed to do it again
1: and was the timing with betty and bernadette that betty was out after that workshop and bernadette was in for the beginning of the broadway proper
2: that was was the case
1: correct and I mean, that's another thing where it seems like nowadays that would have been widely announced or at least, you know, Playbill.com and everybody would be.
0: Absolutely. Well, now, you know, you do something, you think far away, including England and an intermission somehow of your first performance with an invited audience. It's reviewed across the world. So there is no privacy. But at that time, you're exactly right. It's just we were just under the radar it was in the works. Was it going to work? Was it not? We didn't. We didn't announce an advertising guy I recollect like that we were coming to the back. So um, basically, this did happen under the radar, which was good for everybody, including Betty, who, by the way, I think would have been quite good in in the in the show um, had it worked out.
1: Can you but, talk uh, at
0: all about how how what happened there? Honest to God, I, I I can't remember the particulars, and I think if James hasn't, I shouldn't but um but i love betty and I, and i and i i think she would have been a great witch you know yeah it, it just wasn't the right fit
1: wasn't the right fit and uh, was there any sense once bernadette was cast that cuz i've heard conflicting things from different people that uh the part of the witch was then beefed up somehow uh, either just because dramaturgically that's what the show wanted or other people saying, no, that the audience needed to see more of Bernadette. And so that was delivered.
2: Look, the,
0: the, 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 the great thing about doing these things over and over is theoretically you get smarter with each rendition, right?
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Why you love to do a tour. I mean, if nothing else, even some little tour, you would love to, to make it better. So I think all of us really were thinking about that. And I, and I think there wasn't a lot of, you know, I don't think there were talks with agents about, but she's going to need another song at the, at the 11 o'clock hour. or She's going to do this. I think James and Steve were working on this piece that was clearly unfinished when we left San Diego to make it better. And, and I would like to believe Uh, I wasn't a part of a conversation where someone said, we got to give her another one because people going to come for her. Um, uh, I wasn't a part of any conversation like that.
1: Interesting. And then just as far as coming back from San Diego, there was a bit of time, I guess, because San Diego closed the beginning of January. And then I think that workshop was over the summer. Um, And uh, is that when the, I understand that there was like choreographer, like auditions. Is that something you remember?
0: God, I, I, I don't I don't remember I mean I know I don't remember I know that Lar ended up on the playbill but but I, <laughs> I don't I don't really remember how it went and we all knew Lar and didn't know lots of other choreographers by the way and so and Lapine hadn't directed a half a dozen shows so this was you know the blind leading the blind we knew a little bit more than others did but only a little
1: only a little Another thing that different actors have mentioned about that time period was backers' auditions that different people came and sang at, and I don't know um, if that was them remembering something, you know, for what it actually was. As far as the producers were concerned, is that something that would have well, I
0: think, happened? I think that's I think I think God knows that that happens today. We we we've, we've often said that at least for the Dodgers. I think I can count on one hand anything that was actually a backers audition. The great thing about the developmental production was people could come and see something more ready than would be in a rehearsal room. So it's not uncommon now, and certainly wasn't uncommon then, to basically say, listen, by the way, we're bringing in three people, and we're going to sit along the wall, and could you make sure you do this song and that song? I'm sure that happened.
1: Yeah. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them... I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals. Okay. Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus and keto factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories Calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giants in the sky fifty and use code Giants in the sky fifty to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent off your next month. That's code Giants in the sky fifty at factormeals.com slash Giants in the sky fifty to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent off your next month while your subscription is active. And, uh, and was, was this show easier to capitalize given the pedigree of Sondheim and, and the Sunday in the Park with George having just been such a um, uh, you know, at least an artistic triumph, if not a financial one.
0: Well, I, I, Look, I mean, I think the, 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 the upside of Steve's art is the downside of the, of, of the commercial nature. They never recouped. So ostensibly you could point to Sunday, but it didn't get its money back. Right. And n- nor did Sweeney nor you know, so <clears throat> the thing that we could point to, I think, was that there were you know i've I've always said the longer you can run the better the th- the more accurate the thermometer will be, whether the audience wants to see the show or not, and so I think um what we could say was there was now a fairly significant group of what we affectionately called sondheimites who would basically populate the back for the early days and if we were good get the word out so that it wasn't going to open in a vacuum but the idea that <laughs> that this one was going to turn a profit for Steve when he hadn't before and he always claimed he never knew it didn't recoup or shows didn't recoup you know he really that show didn't recoup so uh, anyway I think um
2: but look it was if you wanted,
0: if people who put money in shows did so, not so much for the return, but for being able to wear the clothing of that of that show, this was great clothing to wear. As mm. you pointed out at the beginning when you talked about it, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, in the, I'm in the sun time. You know, I'm yes. doing it. So that absolutely. was absolutely.
1: And so what did that become apparent um, on a larger scale uh, immediately once the show opened? Was, was this um, a struggle to get to the Tony Awards? Like, what, what was the, the dynamic like once it was open?
0: Well, as you know, the reviews were mixed. And yeah. I remember, remember we had this, the infamous opening night party was in a tent in Central Park. And it was cold as hell and rainy. And so I remember them loading in heaters and then setting up food on these tables. And the water was running in under the tents and whatever. And we were getting people to, to, the, to the tents in buses. And so I, unluckily, was on a CAST bus. <laughs> um, at that time, you know, you'd wait in the lobby of the Times on 43rd Street. You'd get the paper. And I had the paper. And I had to read Frank Rich or Ben. I got it, you know, to the cast on our way over. Oh my God, not pretty. I mean, just hey, look, you know, um, we 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 basically have committed not to produce for critics since we began this thing. At the same time, that was when they made a difference. Yeah, um, and so we, no, I I, I think we. We struggled to be a warm hit, which by the way, at this time in the, in, in our, your and my Broadway, there aren't any, you you're either a big hit or you're struggling for your life. It's really really hard out there. So, so we became, I think, um, I'd like to think we were a warm hit, but we were going from, you know, breaking even to making a few bucks to losing a few bucks. So, um, it was never a slam dunk. Did was it a big loss to the box office when
3: Bernadette left?
2: Honest to God, I, I don't really remember. I don't.
0: I don't remember. I really, I really don't know whether it had much effect or not. Um, it was, it was, it was pretty hand to out. I mean, just just keeping it going, and and at the same time, you had people like. William Henry at the at, at, at Time Magazine who loved this thing and craved it and kept doing you know wh- you know so you had these uh, people and then it won the you know the New York critics as so you know the, the best musical whatever but but it was you know successful art attempting to pay for itself yeah. which is the danger of bringing it to broad, anything to Broadway in the first place so we I were had,
2: that position. I
1: I had noticed um in the ABC section of a playbill f- from the time of, of the run shortly after opening, that uh, there were times when it said the um, all the above the title um, stars yeah. in a bigger, a bigger box. And then I guess there was times when, for whatever reasons, it was in a smaller, like a rectangle, and it just said starring Bernadette Peters. And uh, I wondered, like, you know, was that part of the, because I mean, I'm old enough to remember at the time that Felicia Rashad and Nancy Dussault uh were very big TV stars at that time, um, uh, especially Felicia Rashad. And so was that part of the calculus in, in replacing Bernadette like that?
0: Well, I think in a perfect world, you know, we looked for any handhold we could find uh to to bring in that audience that wasn't a Sondheimite. Yeah. It's made Sondheimite, so they were created with woods, but but um strategically I think anyone any anything we could do to basically ratchet up the attention we did and so um uh but I but I don't I I don't really recollect that we got we bumped up significantly or bumped down significantly at the window I I really don't um you know, uh, we we were able to dress the house really well, so the downstairs looked great in the back, and that was sort of the, you know, that that was what we shot. So so the house manager would, on the, the weekday shows, would, would quietly tell people upstairs if they wanted to move down to the back, they could. Um, but I mean, we we were we were we were playing to to, to decent houses all the time, really. What,
1: what Do you remember whose idea it was to do the inflatable giant's leg?
2: Um, okay, Nancy
0: Coyne and I, Serena, argue that it was my idea or her idea. But the point is, in the end, what, what turned out up there was Ann Slavitt's idea who basically we brought on to do it mm. and, and deserves it. And when we did it again, which is certainly a symptom of how old you are when you recoup your own show, <laughs> um, you know the then moving it to the front of the Broadhurst was thank God we had saved it all and whatever and that was that was that was it and that that was our idea to do it we 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 loved the boot and uh, but anything that, remember remember the Beck was the place no one went
2: yeah. you know
0: it was west of Eighth Avenue no one went over there so um, it really was um, uh, not a theater that had a lot of hits in it and so I think. The, the boot more than anything else was to create a reason to notice that there was this mm. thing happening on the other side of 8th Avenue.
1: It certainly seems like it succeeded. I mean, even the, uh, even the current revival got a, got a times article out of it without even having the boot.
0: Um, and, yeah, we were, we were asked to track it down, you know, and <laughs> found the person who took it down and where it was. And <laughs> uh, he said, when he took it down, that, Uh, chip that that it basically was sort of crumbling at that time anyway It it, it, it's i mean it was a balloon so you know that was was pretty much it but yeah uh,
1: and um what what was it just a matter of sales like just you not able to sustain when when it was finally shut down when the show was finally closed
0: yeah i think i think ostensibly there was you know it's the thing shows are going through now all the time. I think, and, and I recollect, you know, we were able to give a cast two, three to four weeks notice that was going to happen. It wasn't like on a Tuesday, closed on Sunday, the way a couple of things are happening now. It's just breaks your heart. Um, but yeah, I think it just, that was it. But I mean, a couple of things had happened. Um, you know, we had, the rights had merged. There was a stock and amateur deal in the works for it. Um, we were going to do a tour. That was in the works, too. It was, it was planned, and I think the idea was we would go facing bloody Septembers, which is what they were out there. It was just it was it was the time it was time
1: yeah was um was the tour more successful financially?
2: because you know, it
3: seems like it ran for quite a long time that tour um, I'll
2: Tell you the exact:. God, I- You know, I
0: mean, touring used to be, and knock on wood will be, the the closest thing to a real business that Broadway gets. You know, you actually can sort of say, if we play these 10 markets and they guarantee you this, we could at least break even, or we can't. And it's a good reason to go or not go, you know, and I'm sure we did that math. Um, uh, At the same time, I think, you know, this was, there were fewer Sondamites around the country. So, you know, we did play the Kennedy Center for, as I recollect, six weeks or so. And and you would think that would be a place that and it did well there. Um,
1: and the Los Angeles run was was pretty long as well.
0: That was great too. That was really swell. And it was a it was a big opening, and um, yeah, no, that was good. That that was great.
1: Yeah, that was that was two months also, two mo- two full months. And um, I mean, had was I assume casting Cleo Lane as the witch or that or was that part of the like marketing or was that just. um...
0: Well, I think I think we I think. Anything that would help you sell a ticket and if they felt she was good. Um, then that was that was worth doing it. I don't think she was in for a real long time though. I think we had no, to- oh,
1: yeah. It seems like Betsy Joslin took over pretty yeah. early in Betsy
0: that. Was all purpose in those days. Seems like it really. She got tossed around and just fit no into question. every. No question. Not a bad gig though. I must say that was
2: that
0: was that was quite a company uh, uh, on Broadway. So um, yeah. And had the vision always been because
1: it had happened with Sunday in the Park with George and with Sweeney Todd? Was the idea always to film this for television and video at, at some point?
2: I, I don't. I don't
0: think we thought about it at the beginning, but I mean, Theater in America—I think that's what it was called on PBS—was doing this stuff, and at Chelsea we had done three or four of them. Mm. Uh, um, and I God, I can't think of the guy's name who was playing, it. but. Um, we had done three or four of them where they'd come in, you know, two days in a row, and it wouldn't be a ton of cameras, and they would shoot it, and then they'd put it up there. Even a play or two we did. I think it was, we did a thing with Franklin thought What the hell was that? Anyway, so um, it was it was commonplace. I think the interesting thing about this was they took considerable time doing it, so they were there more than one night or two, and um, getting. Placing the orchestra around the, and there were a lot of cameras at that time. A lot more cameras than had happened before. So there was a real, a real attempt to capture it um, in a sophisticated way at that time. So and, and the show earned that just basically by people seeing it and deciding to to do it. And we brought people back to do it.
1: Mm, yes, <laughs> very exciting that that happened for the preservation. Was um, was this then uh? back to the tour, I'm sorry. Was was that, um, was there a lot of reconfiguring to make it more tourable?
2: Oh, yeah. 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 And, and uh,
0: for sure. And, and there was a lot of tinkering with the book. So, um, you know, to to put it out again, that's my recollection that our second act looked significantly different. Now, James will remember that better, but but I I I do think that that thing that always happens I think happened on this one particularly
2: fascinating.
0: Um, But yeah, just just physically, there were changes for sure,
1: and there were changes also for the revival in two thousand two. Was was that uh, something that was like long in gestation, as you know, James's hit list that he'd been.
2: You know b- b- stuck in his craw all those years well, i mean i do think I do think um,
0: that one reflected a couple of things, what was possible then that might not have been possible before, and what we knew then that we didn't know before, mm. and so um I think bringing in Doug to do it, who we had we love and um and he and james really really got off well and what he did was something very different than what Heidi did the first time and uh I I think I, I think that's that's the kind of thing you salivate for maybe we can do this all over again and do it differently and design it differently and whatever so I think just bringing Doug Schmidt in um made a big difference in terms of what his chops were and what they weren't to to
1: design the set
0: design the set
1: and um, and what what did you, what, when you talk about things that you knew then that you hadn't known before? What are you referring to?
2: Um, I guess I think I think just everybody was more
0: was was savvier. Um, God knows we had done a number of things before that happened um and got smarter with each one of them um and uh and i look i i can't imagine that james didn't either and that steve didn't either and 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 whatever you know it just i, I can't think of things in particular but i remember even um sitting in the schubert offices and i think they let us meet upstairs in that that sort of wonderful room uh, and uh Looked, I think at Doug Set and James was there, and we were just talking about how we thought. God, I'm trying to think, how many years later was it? Is it 15 years later? Yeah. Um, you know how how that audience you talked about that had been gestating and you know and and, and catching on would would have been enriched and uh, and uh, available for harvest, and we thought basically bringing this back, we could. Um it could it it would it would be a valuable addition to sort of the for starters the family show um repertoire on Broadway at that time. And um um and we had the Broadhurst, which for me is about as beautiful a house as you could put anything, and uh, so the audience would be on top of it, et cetera, et cetera. And, and mm. so I do think there was much more concern whether it paid off or not, um, about who was gonna come and how we'd get them and what was going to happen and, you know, and whatever. And, and one of the things we did, um, uh, would was, did everything we could to create a, a larger and larger reserve. It just became clear to us that between preview losses, all that money you think you're saving for advertising tends to get lost when you don't fill the house and you're having rehearsals in the afternoon or whatever. So that, um, that show and god knows the shows ahead and even now um, um with mj for instance we're we're we, we made sure to raise enough money to basically support the show long enough to know whether people people were going to want it or not want it uh, which is something no matter what you do you, you'll never really know so
1: that's so interesting you you referred to that earlier in terms of um a show has to run long before you can see whether people want to see it.
0: Well, I just look, I, I just think um, word of mouth takes a while, mm. and um, you know, rarely does it happen immediately. I mean, I look, I, I mean, I it, it 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 thrills me to remember Jersey Boys in the early preview days when you know we decided no one cared about this show whatsoever, so we never we never pushed Adrian to get a or an interview. We never wanted a story about the show. We took no advertising. We just figured they're going to, we're just, you know, whatever. But the fact is people came with such low expectations, nothing against Jersey Boys, and literally in the first week it just went off like a rocket. It just, it was amazing. Marshall Brickman said that.
2: I, 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 I,
0: I think this is something good. Anyway, <laughs> it was yes. understated but it but it was uh, but that doesn't happen very often no. so basically i think you need to and people are going to other shows so they all don't sort of run to one so i think to be found and then to be talked about i figure the least is eight to ten weeks yeah that's expensive to stay alive that long especially if you need that audience to come before you can break even and uh don't.
1: Have there been shows of yours or even shows you've observed you've observed with other people that you felt, unfortunately, had to close prematurely and that they would have they would have hit that, but that they didn't have the funds and and didn't get the chance
0: question. I, I can't. I mean, let's put this thing. I'm sure of it. Um, um, could I give you five? No, I mean, but I'm sure of it. Um
2: You know, um,
0: Ain't No More, for instance, you know, mm. just opened it whenever. No, and whatever. know, and I'm sure he thought that basically the spin he brought to, to Broadway by taking this thing that got wonderful reviews at the public to that little theater where it really cook um, um, would just come. And in, and in the end, you know, they. The audience began to find it. I mean, we went there, we did, we did this two weeks in a row. Uh, we found ourselves, cause I'm a Tony administrator. So we found ourselves going to um, uh, the Korean show the, the Wednesday after they announced they were closing Tuesday on Sunday. And we went to Ain't No Mo on the Wednesday after the <laughs> Tuesday. And two things happened. Um, one, both of them did their shows in tears. And, and I must say, the the little show at Circle in the Square, they just those kids, they just wept, and wow. then he gave a curtain speech and whatever. And then at Anomo, he gave a curtain speech, it was quite quite wonderful. And I must say, not just about the racial thing, about the fact that every show out there now is having such a hard time, and they were particularly. Yeah. And then he introduced the cast from from the uh, <clears throat> from. A circle in the square that was in the back of the audience, and they sort of got up and wept together. But you know those, you know that's happening now. It's like it's like the old days. It's uh, it's 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 really hard. So there's a show I think that in an, in a, in in the world before had they more dollars and look, they found money to to do things. But I mean, I know people, everybody was just talking, you got to see the show, you know, you just, yeah. it's really funny. It's really good. It's small. So they could afford, it looks to run. The math looked good, but um, uh, I think it was two things. Obviously the climate was, was fully against them. Number one, but number two, I think you needed a million or two in the bank to basically keep the heart yeah. pumping until you found they, there was enough to do it or um found definitively that there weren't enclosed because that's that's the real problem you run it because it's your child longer and longer than you should this way you go eight to ten weeks i think by that time if they're not coming you've got a pretty good sense that you ought to you 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 ought to pull the plug and save whatever money you're 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 going to lose if you if you keep running so anyway
1: speaking of children um uh, you talk about into the woods you know as something of like a a family show or potentially a family show uh i mean that it was that even really a market that existed on broadway in the 80s or is that it seems like that certainly has in the age of disney that's grown in a way that it hadn't been before
0: no, i think that's absolutely true and I, and i'm not sure when we did into the woods look at, at we started in the woods, not knowing exactly what it was going to be and what buttons it was going to end up pushing. And, you know, at some time with alcohol, we can talk about the most recent one that's happening now, (laughs) my feelings about it, what's not happening on that stage and what is, but the point is we didn't know. So, you know, I think we felt in whatever it was, 2002 or whenever we did the revival, that there was indeed a family audience Mm. and the tap into that family audience which your point's a good one i think in 86 87 um no uh, i think it was, it, it, was, it was you know it
1: wasn't but so then with that revival in 2002 what um what could the strategy be to to reach those people is it just a matter of marketing and advertising or what, what was the the the, pro- oh, the
0: approach did, and I mean, I must I must say. Well, first of all, having Vanessa was great. When when she was going to do it, that was good. Um, but um, we we had we embarrassingly had a private girls' school campaign. I remember, you know, because because you know it was Sondheim so you know you needed to be sort of savvy. So whose mom or grandmother saw the original or knew it, you know, would drag their kid from whatever, and from Nightingale or, and, uh, uh, but then, no, I think it was just, it was just, it was just advertising and, um, and uh, groups and that sort of thing. And again, we, that, that show didn't recoup. Um, we could just not make the math work. You know, just not run long enough.
1: That was a tricky time in the economy though, too, wasn't it still kind of recovering from September 11th and everything?
0: No Absolutely. No, it was rugged. Okay. But I mean, really, we had things together. We were on the street. Everybody wants to be on, you know. There we were. We were, you know. But um, no, it was. And we had the boot. But the point is, it just, it just, we we couldn't. You know, it, it's it's not about what it costs. It's about what it costs to run, and um, that's that. That's the 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 thing you've got to make sure you get right. Um, so, anyway it was just too expensive is that um difficult
1: in uh in producing a show from the ground up having that knowledge when people want to have a bigger orchestra and you know the things even a bigger cast size things that are going to cost money on a weekly basis to 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 have that haunting you that you know it it can hamper the show's future well
2: i mean i think I mean you really are
0: I mean your role includes being a responsible adult and taking care of fragile children. I mean these things are the work of these you know of these artists and whatever and the idea of bringing it here, bringing it to the street which is so you know I mean this respectfully unwelcoming, skeptical, cynical, expensive, you know um, it, it's, it, you ask a lot of a show. I mean, I had this argument with Rocco years ago <clears throat> about Tony Kushner epic.
1: Angels in America.
0: America. Bringing it to Broadway or, or leaving it or keeping it downtown, downtown. You could run and run Broadway. You've got the megaphone. What do you do? Do you bring it there? But you're putting this show, which, which, which is, which is a lot. It's a lot to take in. And it wasn't just one show. It was whatever. Um, to put that here and make it pay for itself, you weren't subsidized anymore, you were going to pay for itself, was poten- potentially, forgive the, it was potentially child abuse. You know, I mean, <laughs> you're going to do that, ask the show to do that. And, um, and, I, and I suppose in the end, uh, and I'm really not sure whether they recouped, I don't think they did recoup, but yeah. the point
2: is, it
0: was, it did, it did announce this amazing work is here. Uh, but I think you could have probably kept it running at the Théâtre de Lees or whatever was downtown for a decade you know that people just needed to see if you wanted to
2: if you thought that was it.
0: But, so um no, I think it's it's and it's I think it's only more dangerous now than it ever was. Mm. Do you,
1: well, you have any
0: um thoughts
1: even fantastical about how this could be fixed as a problem in the industry?
2: Mm- Um, well,
0: you know, so, so much is going on right now. It sort of flies in the face of how to keep the costs down. Um, whether it's the actors are working too hard, so you're not going to do 10 out of 12s and you only can rehearse in a nonprofit now five days a week, or the sop, prop shop can't. So it makes things, it makes Fewer of things, but it also makes them cost more or take longer. Um, and on the other hand, you know, should producers not have a bit of all the money that's taken in from ticket sales, mm. whether it's Broadway.com or in, any, of the, any of the ticket masters, telecharge, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, there's not a nickel we get. But I mean the the amount of money that they take for doing that transaction is can be up to a third of the cost of the ticket on top of it that somebody else is getting who didn't take the risk but basically is facilitating getting, getting in so but that 's been an ongoing conversation for you know 20 years it will continue so I don't know, and I think the other issue really too, is audience. Um, are those people who, during the pandemic, discovered you didn't need to spend all that money? You could put your feet up and see really great stuff on TV. You know, the screen is bigger; you can just lean back and do it. You know, um, we're just trying to get the garbage bags off the street when people are standing in line waiting to go into theaters because this is a special moment they paid a lot of money for. So let's just clean the streets. It's it's uh, it's it's really tough out there now. I think it's sort of our digging out of this mess we're in, not to mention the fact that it's still a mess, We're 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 still battling COVID backstage um, even now.
1: In your decades as a Broadway producer, do you feel that now is a time when there's more support and cooperation from the city, from the mayor's office, or was it better at other times? Is it worse now?
2: I I think Look,
0: I think what most particularly a number of theater people and Chuck Schumer pulled off with the federal government was a miracle. And as you know, no one laid a dollar on us, but for basketball, football, hockey, whatever, whatever. Um, and that in a way, I mean, that was that was amazing. And um, what we're getting, what we're struggling with now is how to live without support. Yeah, I mean, we we all, and you know, we started in September when we thought things were, were gonna clear up, and then Omicron hit. And, you know, that pushed us backwards, and you use that money to stay alive and do stuff, and and now it's gone. And um, so, but 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 I have to say, look, I just think what happened that that moment in history that you would never imagine would come together when you have this plague on the one hand and you've got the Democrats win the election and suddenly people are sensitive to what's happening you know and are able to 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 step in and actually help was um amazing and and it was help that 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 happened by both Democrats and Republicans so um I think we're grateful for it Um, yeah I think people are more I think if there's a a feeble silver lining to this tragic thing that happened to our country and the world it's that people discovered how important times square is to the to to to, to the healthy heart of new york city um, you know our friends who run parking garages and ro- restaurants or you know i mean it's, it's so the theater's important whether we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens but um, i'm hoping i'm hoping that you know, something good will happen No one's slowing down, you know. Everybody's trying to do stuff. It's a line of people for every theater who (laughs) want to do the foolhardy thing and come on in. So more power to them. I've always said, you know, the future of our theater rests with names I don't know from places I've never been. So it's um, God, God, God bless them.
1: Well, Michael, with those people that you don't know coming in to do stuff and certainly with the people in the government and throughout the country and every that contributed to the recovery effort. I'm sure that um, all the work you've done and particularly into the woods has been a part of making them love the theater and believe in it enough to to do that. So uh,
0: I, on behalf of everybody, I thank you for this great work. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, you know, knock on wood. I- we'll die with our boots on but but uh but anyway anyway take good care and listen out there there now is a network of people around the country who want to see the thing that happens and who are you know and and god bless them too because that's that's broadway now it's not what it used to be you know all those years ago when you went out anyway anyway nice to meet you
1: Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 21 with Carolyn Marlowe, understudy in the final workshop and original Broadway cast.